And a very good evening, everybody, and welcome to our Saturday Spiritual Spiritualism Lyceum Night Live, coming to you from the Paul Christian Spiritualist Church. Once again, we are back over in the States. This time, uh, we are much further north, up in New York State, and in fact, in the town of Lilydale, with our wonderful guest, Mr. Tom Cratsley. Tom, a very good evening, sir. Well, thank you. Thank you for your welcome. Absolute pleasure. Really looking forward to uh, tonight. Those watching us, please remember a lot of these evenings are guided and created by your input with your comments. So keep them coming in the comments box at the side there. So, Tom, I'm reading some of your uh, publicly available details and absolutely fascinating. And in fact, am I right in saying that Ellie McCabe Craxley, this is your wife? Yes. And so the two of you run a guest house, correct, we in do. Lilydale? Uh-huh. And you're both mediums. Well, I'm a healing medium. She's the message medium. Ah. Oh, thank you. Do you know what? That is uh, something very close to my energy over here. Since we have been, um, we stayed open here at Paul as much as possible. But as we are re-emerging here, I'm very keen to start bringing over to people these different identifications in the UK, basically, if you say a medium, you automatically conjure up uh, at what we would call an evidential medium or what you've just referred to as a message medium. Uh, but we're trying to get broaden people's uh, understanding of the word medium. The medium is just an intermediary between the two worlds. How that is expressed can come out in the messages, in healing, in inspiration. So, yeah, I like that. Thank you, sir. A very quick hello to everybody. Okay, now, you know, actually, uh, let me let me kind of draw a full circle on this. Please. You know that that nomenclature came to me from one of my teachers, who was what perhaps my earliest teacher. Her name was Edith Sandy Wendling, and she had emigrated to Canada and then to the U.S. from Britain um, many many years ago because it was in nineteen. 67 and 68 that I first attended her church in Buffalo. Um, she was a wonderful medium, but she used that that parlance, that language as and making those distinctions, message medium um, and uh, healing medium, uh, because I think that people are, are you know, by nature of what, whatever their characteristics are, uh, they can be drawn to one or the other to, to focus their attention. Um, and and also spirit can be drawn to support them in in their development in certain ways uh, and at least that's my perspective and, and having been around it for 50 odd years no uh, i i agree wholeheartedly there um over here in the uk there there is quite often said within our churches and centers by people uh what well, I'm a medium, which automatically identifies them in the consciousness of being a message medium. And then a lot of the other people say, well, this really, really niggles me when people say it, when I'm only a healer. And you just think, what do you mean you're only a healer? So we, we've got to have this, I think, in the UK, a little bit of a resurgence here to identify our healing mediums to yeah, get that yeah. in. 
well, you know, if you look at Jesus in the Bible, there was there was uh, very little time that he spent um, talking to the relatives of uh, uh, of people in the in the biblical stories, and a whole lot of time doing the healing. Indeed, <laughs> indeed, and any any message medium will also confirm an awful lot of the messages are healing. Absolutely. They are coming into a healing energy there. And I agree with you. I think any message medium worth their salt has a healing component. <laughs> yeah, indeed, indeed. Yeah, that, that is lovely to hear. It really is. Um, as I say, we are, a lot of the churches in the UK, sadly, are still closed. A lot have struggled very badly. Um, the online manifestation has created an awful lot of opportunities. Some have been taken up well, some not to my uh, taste, shall we say. But there is a big resurgence in spiritualism as a whole. And people are asking questions because I often say this. We have gone and are still going through this time when our very mortality is being challenged on a deeper level. And that feeling and energy is being felt by everybody. And that is also creating then this need of people are reaching out to all sorts of religions, the major orthodoxies as well, spirituality, spiritualism, and just trying to find out the answers to a few questions of like, why? What is this all about? And I really feel, you know, that spiritualism certainly has its place in this new scope of the world to stand there proudly and be able to offer explanations, understandings and fellowship with people who are brand new to the movement, but they're all coming in with that one question, why? Oh, I absolutely love your perspective on this because I believe that it is true. And, and for me, one of the shortcomings of spiritualism um, in recent years has been its, um, I don't know if it's inability, but, but, but how it hasn't projected the philo philosophy thoroughly enough. I mean, for most people, spiritualism is known as the people who talk to the dead. Yeah, and there isn't there isn't much more of an understanding of us than that, and we need to um, present um, in a better way to the world the brilliant, I think, and and most wonderful aspects of our philosophy, which really can contend with the, the struggles of the world right now, especially when it comes to natural law. Indeed, um, and the concept of natural law, because. <clears throat> Unless we understand that we we have a good purpose here on this earth, and that part of that purpose is our relationship to the planet and our relationship to each other, we're going to have a heck of a time solving the problems that we have right now on this planet. And um, see, I'm a big fan of Andrew Jackson Davis and his, yeah. his writings and his philosophies. And um, he detailed these um, these notions again and again in his writing, but also he detailed um, a kind of an understanding of the human psyche that to me was maybe puts him as the first great modern psychologist in understanding the levels of 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 um, 
development of consciousness. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say the development of the mind, but it's more like development of consciousness until you get to those high spiritual states. But all of it involves being integrated here and now in this world, not escaping. And that's so important. And I also must, um, uh, I, I also want to um, dovetail on what you said. I do believe people are searching now. You, you know, Lilydale is this large, largest spiritualist community in the world. And um, this summer, we have been busier than we have been in, in years. So this, um, this reinforces what your observations are and, and have been. So thank you. Wonderful. <clears throat> And just very quickly for uh, people that are joining us, and thank you for all the wonderful messages coming on here. We have Bulgaria, Stockholm, Sweden, UK, and Ireland being represented. So wonderful people. Lilydale itself is about 600 miles east of New York City, but still in the state of New York. And reading up on it, you have something just under 300 full-time residents Am I right in understanding that to be a resident in Lilydale, you need to be a spiritualist? Correct. So, yeah. So 300 full-time residents, but you can get up to something like 20,000 visitors coming there. Summer. Yes. Yeah. So um, absolutely awesome. We don't have anything on that scale over here, which is uh, because we are a smaller country, so everything tends to be scaled down. Uh, but that, that is just so awesome to go to a complete town. And you yourself, with your lovely wife, run a guest house there as well, correct? Correct. So, and yeah. we have visitors from all over the world. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I think that's an awesome thing uh, to bring like-minded because there's so much power and so much uh, to be gained by being... Uh, I say this so many times, so apologies to the regular viewers. You know, we spend so many, so much time being mother, father, sister, brother, whatever, to all these people. But when we interact with spiritual and spiritualist people, we can actually be ourselves. We all the masks are taken off, and it's that time we can actually engage as us. And it's so invigorating. It really is. It's like uh, ah, taking off the overcoat and going for it. I, I, I'd like to tell you, talk a little bit more about, because this is kind of like a, a bit of a healing phenomenon as well. Yeah. Now, because Lilydale has been operating as a spiritualist center since 1879, and um, every year we have a healing temple that's open twice daily. I mean, we do it throughout the year on Wednesday nights and Sunday church services. But every day throughout the summer season, we have a healing temple where we do hands-on healing, although COVID has put the kibosh on that. I mean, we yeah. people go in and we sit in a healing environment and that's it. But um, up until the, the, the COVID uh, situation, twice a day, people will come and they, um, um, uh, healers would be arranged at benches in the front of the of uh, the temple, and people would sit down when whenever there's an open bench and receive a spiritual healing. Now, in conjunction with that, is that there's this there is on the grounds itself a kind of um, 
healing energy, but also, a, 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 um, I would say, a spiritual climate that when people come, even if they're not even interested in spiritualism, I hear these reports year after year that somehow they felt spiritually at home here. Um, even though they're not connected to anything, and it's like they feel they feel like they're free to explore their own spiritual nature. And to me, that's that's the greatest gift of spiritualism. It's that sense that we have this independent personal link directly um, to the divine and all the literally all the forces of the universe if we play our game right. <laughs> very true. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that's that is very well put. Um, I, I run a church here in Paul, and it's we are seeing an awful lot of new people coming in and getting some feedback along the lines of what you just said. You know, people are saying, you know what, you walk in here and you just like sigh because it's just so calm and so peaceful, and you you just think, thank you, thank you know, well, I must be doing something right, which is actually wonderful. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me, I've got a little frog here. It's very annoying. So uh, you have developed this system, the restructuring method of accessing and releasing and transforming unconscious resistance patterns. Could you uh, tell us a little bit about that, please, Tom? Yeah, sure. I, I probably helps to get, give you a little background of how I developed it. Um, when I was a young man, I, I, for, uh, I worked a full decade in, in uh, inpatient psychiatry. And, and I was kind of frustrated with the direction of things uh, then. And at the same time, I had done a lot of exploration of, um, you know, sort of mystical traditions and understanding consciousness from a different standpoint. And I was very frustrated with the, the psychological notion that um, the best you could do for people who were um, psychologically uh, troubled was to give them good coping strategies. <laughs> um, and and I'm a man for transformation. I don't I you know I don't stand for this 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 coping stuff because um, I don't I honestly believe in true healing and and, and in transformation and and real growth. Because uh, I, I noticed it in my own life. I've seen it in other people. I go, why why do we have to maintain this philosophical? And now, you know, like 30, 40 years later, there's more energy going in that direction. But still, I think a lot of mainline, you know, psychiatry and psychology still has that coping strategy on, on, on philosophical um, underpinning, unfortunately. And um, but anyway, so I, I knew that somehow we, that we could change. I didn't know exactly how to and I'm talking about fundamentally changing. I didn't know exactly how. And so I played with a number of different things. Um, uh, and there were three three important um, people that um, that I have to along with Andrew Jackson Davis, by the way, because I, 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 <laughs> I can't dismiss him and his, his thoughts. But in terms of the modern thinkers. Um, Roberto Assagioli and uh, Robert Fritz were um, 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 were very important, and then I'll, I'll fill in the last piece later. But Roberto Assagioli was a an Italian psychiatrist, um, uh, a contemporary of Carl Jung's, and he had a similar understanding of how the mind was organized: self-conscious, subconscious, and superconscious. But the thing that struck me the most about his understanding 
was um, one thing he said, the way to the superconscious is through the subconscious, which essentially means you can't bypass your personal garbage to get <laughs> to get yeah. higher states of mind, right? And um, I didn't like that, but I knew that it was true. <laughs> I, I hoped, well, maybe I could just meditate and forget about all that stuff. No, but it, it doesn't it doesn't really work that way not, uh, at all. And so I knew that was true from just having dealt with my own things and recognizing that as I dealt with my own issues, I felt freer. You know, I knew that there was something fundamentally in, important about that. And then Robert Fritz, um, he, um, he, he uh, was a man who did, studied a lot about uh, creativity and written some books on it, um, the creative process. Um, he developed this um, structural consulting methodology. Basically, he would take people through their issue and, um, and detail how they do what they do um, um, and, and produce results they don't like. <laughs> right? So, so, and then when you examine those details, they can at times, but just by examining those details, they can interrupt the pattern. And then not continue forward with it. But that was some useful stuff. But then the thing that really um, got to me is that I knew that that was, you know, temporary. Those things were temporary fixes. And um, I attended a workshop run by a chiropractor and um, and his wife, and it was called a releasing workshop. And in this workshop, um, they would um, have people um, tell about a problem or an issue. And they'd look at them. They were very attuned and very, very psychic. They would look at them and say something like, release hate for your mother in ancient Afghanistan. And they'd encourage the person to make that statement. And then they'd feel a relief with the issue. Let's say they had a pain in the shoulder or something like that. Well, over the course of the weekend, I observed three times when they, um, uh, when they addressed issues of mine. A couple of them were past life things that I had no concept of. Um, I did feel some little shift, but the part where I really got the most result was when they um, they suggested something that I let go of in relationship to my understanding of my relationship to my father and something that happened. And that I had total and complete understanding and knowledge of the event and the issue, etc. Um, on many levels. And when I made that statement, I could feel a realignment you know, Interesting. In, my, in my body and my consciousness. So, ah, then I knew I had, then that was the key. So the basic philosophy is this. If you get to the, the place in which the, um, an issue was first generated, that is, and it always comes from some old trauma. So if you get to the core trauma and you reassess how you relate to that trauma, you actually liberate yourself from reacting to it again. Um, and it's, but the, the, the other key to this is it's not just a mental um, orientation, it's multidimensional. We are in essence, multidimensional beings. Yeah. We exist in a number of dimensions of plenty. We do this physically, etherically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, and all these levels. What I try to do is, is 
um, support people get it, to get into a hyper, a state of what I call hyper awareness around the issue. And then I do a regression with them back to its source, meaning the first time they ever created or experienced it in their soul's history. Um, you know, sometimes they go back to childhood. Sometimes they go all the way back, you know, to some past life. I have no, you know, I, my, I don't use any psychic ability to do that for them. I think it's important that they follow that train themselves. Where I do use my intuitive abilities is when they're present with the memories is to help get them to make the right decisions that will liberate them from being trapped by that memory going forward. And what happens is by the time they're finished with the session, they feel totally peaceful, totally comfortable in the midst of that memory with the sense they've taken back their power and they have whole new sets of options in relationship to it. That is really interesting. And you are not the first uh, to work in this field. Oh, no. We've had, other, yeah. <clears throat> we've had a couple of speakers on talking about that. Uh, in all fairness, the two that we had on focus much more on past lives. But I love the fact that you're working as well very much with this life. Um, I think sometimes it's very easy to say, oh, this is all from a past life. But actually, you know, the point of where we are today, we've gone through sometimes a hell of a journey. Yes. And yes. to go looking in past lives, it's a bang on. <laughs> it was last week, love. <laughs> There's a significant percentage of the people I work with. It's in this life, you know, and um, and the, what's important about it is that people realize when they go back to that route, they realize the intensity of the experience that was there at the core. And the reason these things stick with us is because at the time of the original trauma, we are convinced that we are utterly powerless in relationship to it at the time of the trauma. And if you're utterly, if you feel utterly powerless in relationship to something, you don't want to keep looking at it. So yeah. we, that's, that's why it becomes unconscious. We pull the shade down. Um, but we have to live the consequences of the decisions made about it. That's why this helps, you know, popping the shade enables people to kind of, oh, I can reevaluate this now multidimensionally. And, and then it's done because um, it's it's pretty interesting. I've, I've seen there are a lot of methodologies out there that claim to be, you know, transferring, claim to help people get. But there are not a lot of them that actually get to deep core. Yeah. 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 And that, that it makes very good sense there. Uh, uh, what you said earlier on about the coping strategy with things. Mm -hmm. it, yeah. It's a bit like putting a plaster on when you actually need stitches, <laughs> yeah. you know, and that, that yeah. gash is, you can hold it together, but actually you need stitches. You don't need the plaster. You need That's the right. stitches <laughs> get right. it done, and then it can heal. Lovely Joan from Philadelphia. Uh, yeah. Good evening, Jane. She's asking, does your approach encompass mindfulness to help in the beginning? It, it's kind of, in a way, it's all, it's all about mindfulness if, in, in a way. It's like they, they discover, the client discovers something that's, that's, um, um, that's in essence a part of their, but I don't actually use a technique, a mindfulness technique at all. I don't know if, if you're if the person is specifically 
um, referring to a mindfulness technique from, let's say, the Hindu tradition. No, it, it's it, it's not a it's it's not. I don't use a technique like that. No. Yeah. So you work probably, uh, if I'm correct in understanding, more on the intuitive level of each and every person is an individual, a totally separate and totally unique person. Yes. That will require approaches from all sides of the dimensions. Would yes. that be right? Yeah, yes. wonderful. Everyone, you know what? And to me, that's been the great joy of doing this. You know, I, I, I put this thing together back in 1980. And um, the great joy in doing this is, first of all, the discovery that goes on. And then also that sense of grace that happens when a person actually feels internally the shift. And um, have you done that? You, you've done some healing, you know, plenty of healing work yourself, haven't you, Lowry? I do indeed. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, and you know, you know, those moments, those magic moments when, when things are really shifting and you know, wow. Yeah. You know, and, and you feel blessed to be a part of it, even though, you know, I didn't have the, I didn't have the brain power to make this happen, <laughs> but something, something brilliantly has happened because of the, um, the, the rearrangement that, that takes place. Here's one part of my philosophy, and I think it's really important um, when, when you're talking about healing, that what's the philosophical basis behind um, the he, the, whoever's doing the healing work? I believe all healing is self-healing ultimately. And, um, um, and I also believe that it is a, um, it's, it, it is a universal power that's always working to support us. It's all about us paying attention to it or not. And when we pay attention to it, magic happens. Um, and so that's, you know, that's because I, what has taught me that is just doing it over time, you know? So to me, it's just an apps. I'm absolutely convinced that that's the way it works. I absolutely love that. I really do love that. Uh, and it ties back nicely to an earlier part of the conversation about this need here to re-understand and re-evaluate our relationship with the spirit world. Um, I will say this, and some people may disagree. Absolutely fine. That's why we're all here is to debate things. I do think in general, uh, people in the UK that attend churches, centres, uh, etc., do approach it from this energy of, right, what's spirit going to do for me? Uh, I want a message. I I want healing. I want this. I, and it's almost like um, it's a service industry with some people's approaches to it. And I, I work really hard to try and bring in that other aspect of it's not a service industry. You've got to work as hard as they are. You raise yourself up to meet them coming down to meet you. Uh, if you're just going to sit there on your sun lounger and go, you know, bring me a <laughs> healing, good luck. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I agree. I agree. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting. You know, I always say that here's, here's another thing I say. Spiritual phenomena of all forms is purpose driven okay and you don't decide the purpose mm. yeah <laughs> it comes from a higher place yeah uh, 
because yeah. quite often people say, well, why don't you see the phenomena you used to see? And I said, well, why should you? And why are you asking me? Ask them. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, you know, and, and Davis himself, Davis himself was a bit perturbed at the uh, the focus. And we're talking way back in the uh, at the turn of the century. He was perturbed at the uh, um, the focus on physical phenomena and some of those things because he felt it was distracting from the um, from the spiritual um, progress of people. You know. Yeah. And, yeah. Oh, and, you, look out, Tom! I'll be on my soapbox. I warn you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Lovely. Sue Townsend is asking a question here. How do you encourage or sow the seeds for people to start to address their issue in order to clear them and also have a greater understanding of who they truly are? Well, it's all about what I call a misery index. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Right? So, so people, you know, if you encourage people to kind of be in touch with their misery, right? And because the only way we get by it is by uh, coming face to face with it in, in some way, shape or form. And that goes back to what Asagioli was talking about. You know, the way to the superconscious is the, the, the way to growth in general is through acknowledging what doesn't work, you know, in your life, you know, and, and, and acknowledging that you are to some degree responsible for that. And once we accept those things, then we have we have some way to move forward. So that's that's those are the seeds that I, I would sow. You know, in our in our culture, we have we have a um, well, especially in the U.S., probably even more than in Britain. You know, we have this, you know, you know, you, you know, you expect to put money in the in, in the machine and fix everything, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, there's a, these expect magical expectations. Um, that actually don't work when it comes to personal transformation. Yeah. Very true, very true. Yeah. Um, people's approach to development of um, defining what they're going to develop as, and you think, well, is that in your energy? Is that in your life plan to be one of these? You may become a great artist. You may become a great healer. You may become a great homemaker. Um, but here you are knocking at another door all the time. Interesting. Oh, do you know what? I'm going to be so occupied. When I get back upstairs, I'm going to love it and go, oh, right, I've got it now. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, what you just said is interesting because I can remember my earliest days of sitting in development circles. And back in the day, and I taught, when I when I conduct some of the development circles, I've been doing that uh, uh, this summer in Lilydale. Um, the person who did it for many years had passed on, so I've been taking over a couple of them. Um, but uh, one of the things that I talk about to, to the people who attend, because many of them have never done anything in, in a spiritualist um, setting before. So I, I talked to them about how people had, um, in the early days, they'd sit in a circle for decades without ever getting a message huh? and, um, and be very happy to do that. And you'd wonder, well, why is that, you know? It's because there's a power and an energy in a good circle um, and that you always come away feeling nurtured, feeling uplifted. And it doesn't matter whether or not you get a message as a, you know, as a medium or you've um, clearly connected to a loved one from the other side or, or even a, a, you know, a teacher or a master, an angel, whatever. 
um, as long as you're there and you're devoted to your own unfoldment and you're and you're you're also willing to be a part of that collective group that is seeking um, higher um, higher understanding and wisdom, et cetera. It's magical. It is. It is. I agree totally. And during the time of the lockdowns in the UK last year, there were a number of um, teachers and tutors coming online and doing meditations called Sitting in the Power, mm. which did bring in and highlight that actually, even in our meditations, you know, we tend to work more to the guided ones all the time to achieve this, to do this and to do yeah. that. But the Sitting in the Power is, is what is it? Expect nothing, uh, but expect everything because you just open yourself up to spirit. And that's a format that hasn't been in the public eye before. So very interesting. Yeah. Have you noticed there's a bit of an art to that, though, too? Because I can remember when I first said, um, because I've sat in a lot of circles over the years. And in in some of the people, the, the, the circles that I've sat in, they'll they might open with a prayer and then you know a couple of seconds and then people are firing messages around i go uh where's the time for the development here (laughs) to me the sitting in the power is what um what makes that development happen you know i have no qualm with you know people doing the message work but build the energy first you know sit in it sit in it be let yourself be lifted in some way or yeah, yeah. To me, that's the um, that's the real um, importance of the, that work. Definitely. Just as you described it. Just as you described it. Yeah, we started here in the church for our divine services. Uh, we have healing in the church, and for about half an hour before the service starts, and that is bringing in a whole new dimension to oh, our services. Wow. It's really interesting. Uh, we have a healing room separate to the church. But at this time, because we are very limited on other activities and support for them, because people are still very uh, nervous about going out and committing to different events. So everything's being brought back into the service and the focus there. And it really is actually quite palpable that after the healers have been working and then the service commences, you're still in that same energy and bringing it through. And it's like, this is interesting. This is good. I like this. I do. Got a question here from Jamie Williamson. He's asking, uh, do your regression sessions use hypnosis as an aid? Interesting. Um, it's not it's not traditional hypnosis um in fact um people are in the, uh, uh, the opposite kind of state they're very uh, they're very connected to um the issue and the discomfort around the issue and it's just a simple countdown from five to zero that gets them into the memory of where it first came from so it's it's not it, it's not in a traditional sense right yeah yeah uh, lovely Fiona Parry Dodge is a very accomplished healer, sound healer from the West Country, and she's just agreeing with you. All healing work and working with spirit is self-healing, and also ancestral lineage healing. Yeah. 
And again, this is another thought and pathway that has become more and more in the public eye over the last 18 months. And makes quite a lot of sense as well that we do carry forward sometimes um, the ancestral, so the arch archetype um, history of us is also sometimes something we need to examine and understand and to work with, to work out. Well, that's tied into my, I have a notion of species consciousness, okay? It's a, and as a species, we, we do have the duty of undoing the damage that we've done as a species. So, and that's tied into that, the, 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 you know, working with the ancestral lineage. Yeah. yeah, very interesting because we we are just beginning to just touch the very, very, very edges of the true meaning of us living forever, of eternity. And when you start working in that sort of field, it makes this life you look at things and you what was ignored suddenly actually becomes quite important and what seems important to us in this physical condition sometimes is actually nothing it's trivial it's not yeah. even worth a second blink but it brings in other facets where we got to say well do you know what yeah i've got a responsibility i am part of this web i am part of this clan or this tribe and I do bear a responsibility and I need to make whatever to bring that out and breach that point of balance once more. How interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, it sounds terrible, but sometimes I can't wait to go back home because I sit here and I really struggle with things and I think, oh, God, come on, tell me. <laughs> but I know I'd, in the physical condition, you're not going to probably right, jam yeah. it all. Well, you know, do you know who Wim Hof is? No, the Dutchman, the Iceman. No, he's called. They call. He's called the Iceman. You know, he says something that's really wonderful. He's a man. He 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 got into a uh, um, uh, learned how to do a breathing technique and um, developed his own methodology around it um, to get him out of a personal crisis. Um, the crisis was his wife committed suicide. And then um, he was left, you know, just with huge questions, you know, a, a real existential crisis. And he sought um, sought for answers. And what? And he he as he started doing this work, it it um, this this breathing work, and exposing himself to cold, a combination of things, um, it transformed him. And what he says is, he's like, you know, look, it's really clear that we're here um uh, just for a, a couple of reasons here to be healthy happy and enjoy life <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it's that it's that fundamental that is very much my philosophy i will say to people yeah. listen we were put here to be happy it's only us that makes it miserable yeah so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Lovely Julie Caswell from London just saying in lockdown, she spent a lot of time looking within herself and found quite a lot I didn't like about myself and came, and came to the conclusion you've got to own it before you throw it. Absolutely. Beautiful way of saying that. Thank you, Julie, for that. Yeah, it's, a, it's just a, a lovely way of rephrasing how that all happens and, 
And you must, as you've as you've thrown these things off, I'm sure you feel a lot freer and, um, um, you know, a lot clearer within yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That 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 actually very well put. That is very well put. Well done, Julie. Yeah, because it's true, isn't it? We, it's very easy to uh, keep things at a distance and not a personal level. And oh yeah, well that only happened because they did that. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. <laughs> you still did that. <laughs> Guess what? Yeah, so much of our life is fantasy. It's just our personal fantasy. Yeah. <laughs> Whether negative fantasy, positive fantasy, we've got it, you know. And and then when you take the time to just understand that this fantasy has these repercussions, this fantasy has other repercussions, then you know, just as Julie probably did, and you know, and, and just looking at, oh well, okay, this is easy to throw away. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. <clears throat> You mentioned earlier that you were in, uh, pardon me, clinical uh, before you became. Uh, yeah, I worked in psychiatry. Yeah, psychiatry. Beg your pardon. Yes. So, from the psychiatry, working in that energy, did that open the door to the spiritual pathway, or was the spiritual no, pathway that, there? That, that was always there with me, Lowry. Um, I started as a you know a teenager. I. I I was always fascinated by the whole um, paranormal. I read Edgar Casey books. We had a theosophical library in my city. I'd, I'd go down to the theosophical library and read those books. Um, so it was always it was a it was an important part. The Masonic library. The, some of these mystical traditions, I I had already steeped myself in that stuff. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, yeah, it does. It's quite often at an early age when we're exposed to. Uh, the esoteric, we go out, we need to live a life, we need to progress, we need to do whatever we need to make our life. But then when that knowledge is there, it's so much easier to go back to. One yeah. of the things I've been working on quite hard with Paul Church is encouraging people to bring children to the services, which was never done before. Because I always say, listen, if these kids come in, and get comfortable with being in a church at this age, later on in life, if they ever feel the need to go to church, it's not going to be this alien thing. It, it's there. That seed is put in there and ready to bloom maybe at a later time. So yeah, Even if, um, you know, for instance, you know, and I can look at how that fits into my life, even though I wasn't a spiritualist as a child. As a child, I was taken to a number of different, depending upon where we lived at the time, either Presbyterian or Baptist churches. And um, there were things about the, the there was a, there's a spiritual, the ineffable spiritual side of things that a kid picks up regardless of the dogma. Yeah. Okay. In a church setting. And so I was comfortable with that ineffable stuff, but some of the dogma made me, you know, uneasy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> even as a kid. I mean, even as a kid, the, you know, the contradictions were a little bit too difficult for me to take in, um, in, in mainstream, in, in the way mainstream um, religion was presented uh, to me. So, in fact, you know, I, I got tossed out of Sunday school for asking questions. 
<laughs> Good man. It, it is very true. Uh, the dogma and sometimes the orthodoxy. And even within spiritualism, you see uh, examples of dogma and orthodoxy within our own churches. And you just think, come on, guys, you know, you of all people should be a bit more open to uh, the whole approach rather than this is what we do because otherwise spirit won't work. Can you think, really? Oh, no, yeah. <laughs> absolutely agree with you on that. I absolutely agree with you. Uh, yeah. And I, I, some of that is, again, it's, it's habitual, you know, like it's, it's habitual to hold on to dogma, whatever that, whatever it might be. If it, even if it's just the, the, um, the, the dogma of spiritualism may be a little bit more narrow than that of, you know, other, other religions, but, when people um, people ingest it as dogma or take it as dogma, then it's problematic. Yes, yeah, true. Um, something I've become aware of over here in the UK. Number one, since all this began uh, and we went online, we've met so many people from across the world, which has been beautiful. And in the conversations, it's actually highlighted how fortunate we are here in the UK with the number of churches and centres available to us, which are not there abroad. Uh, some countries don't have any. Countries such as yourself, we were talking to Ron Cox a couple of weeks ago down in Florida. Yeah. And he's, he's saying down there, you can drive like 600 miles to get to a church. And in the UK, you just hop on a bus and there's going to be one there sooner or later. Mm -hmm. But in that energy, the, the, as with everything, there's balance. So, yay, great, we've got so many places of worship available to us. But they have in the past 20, 25 years, uh, and including our own church here, fallen into a pattern, uh, a way of working. And that pattern has actually become almost like a creed or a dogma that you know what's going to happen in the church service and it doesn't change. And then next week you're encouraged to come back to um, relive that experience every time. And for me, for spirit, working with spirit and spiritualism, it's a very activist movement. Uh, engages you need to think with it you need to ask questions as you did with your Sunday school experience uh, but it is but we bred this passivity into a lot of our congregations and we need to start looking at these energies and going well, hold on you know where are we actually engaging with the people coming in our church and I don't mean just see hello how are you I mean really on a deep uh, theological level of making people uh, think. We yes. started doing a lyceum service here once a month in church, and I was absolutely elated. People were sat in the congregation taking notes of the books that were being referenced, and I thought, yeah. <laughs> I'm very easily pleased. But, yeah. Yeah. We, we have a thing called thought exchange here uh, twice a week in, uh, over the summer. And it, it harkens back to the early days of spiritualism when people used to meet, um, they'd get together. It wasn't just mediums, but it was 
everybody exploring new ways of understanding spirituality, right? And um, and there would be large gatherings, you know, all, all throughout the Northeast in the U.S., right? And part of those was open discussion on all theological questions, all spiritual questions. Um, and so what we try to do here on those 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 two two nights a week, we do a, a, it's an hour long session when people come in, they're invited to write questions that they might have about any of this stuff, you know, psychic phenomena, mediumship, spiritualism, philosophy, all those. And um, those are read by the moderator and anybody who cares to offer their opinion on it is um, is free to speak. Brilliant. I love that. <laughs> Look out, Paul. You're going to see that in one of your services one day, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sue Townsend has another question here and saying, is there a wide spectrum of generations living in Lilydale? And also, have you noticed younger people wanting to live there? Uh, wonderful question. Actually, for many, many years, it's always been an older, um, an, an older crowd. Although this year the visitors are much younger, and I'm very grateful for that. I mean, I did attend my my first. I was like 18 years old when I first came to Lilydale, and uh, and now I'm here permanently. You know, I've been here for since uh, 80, 1987 permanently, but um, it kept drawing me back. And, you know, the hope is that, that many of these young people who have come this year will have gotten um, um, the bug to um, not only continue their growth, but to carry carry things on to another level. Um, um, and uh, hopefully they they come back. But in terms of the spectrum of um, of the population of Lilydale, we probably have. Um, a majority of people who are seniors and then the, re the rest of the population, you know, um, kind of spans the gamut, you know. Um. Right. But absolutely fine. I mean, in all our tribal cultures, uh, the wise man or the wise woman were always the, in the council of elders in there. So, yeah, don't be apologetic for being... Yeah our wonderful age you know we've got the benefit now of our age of hindsight which is a great <laughs> gift <laughs> christina thaloris here from stockholm just commenting in stockholm we have spiritualist centers but no spiritualist churches uh that's quite an interesting thing because something i've learned through our contact with many people in the nordic countries is spiritualism still is not a recognized religion in many countries. Hence, no churches, but they have centers. But I know uh, Denmark is very soon going to be waiting for an announcement in the positive that spiritualism will become a recognized religion. So does um, that, is, is, that, that, is that a legal distinction, Laurie? Is that why that is? Yeah, because they are not recognized. Oh, in, okay. As, as a denominational religious body, uh, then they it's we can have spiritual centers, but to have a church, you must be representing a de denomination. And okay. if spiritualism isn't a denomination as recognized within that country, then the actual word church would 
being on plein air. Uh, if somebody did open it up as a church when it's not recognised as an official religion, uh, somebody would probably get a little bit antsy about that. <clears throat> So they have, they still have spiritual, the same spiritualist practices. It's just oh, not an official church. Okay. Very much, very much. That's and in fact, the about. the uh, Nordic countries have uh, a lovely approach. They are very, in the West, like with all things, we've made some things a little bit too complicated and a little bit over egged. But I found with working with people from the Nordic countries and talking with them, it's a much more simpler understanding of things. Uh, they haven't got the involvement or the faff that the the Western countries have done, and it is, and it's a much purer form. I found I've sat in a few centres, demonstrations, and evenings, and there's, there's they always use this wonderful energy of community where. Here in the UK, the poor old mediums get worked to death, you know, because you get up there, you do the opening prayer, you do the reading, you do your address, you do your demonstration. Oh, wow. yeah. uh, you've got to do the lot. But I found with the Nordic countries, it's very much more of a community effort where somebody will do the prayer, somebody will do the reading, somebody will give that address on the reading. Two or three people may become involved in the message mediumship. And it's it's a, it's it's just got a new feel. Uh, it's really organic. It's nice. It is. It is. I it's like a wonderful that. way. So we got uh, oh, Joan from Philly. I will be visiting Lilydale in the future. Can you recommend a guest house or a hotel in Lilydale? There. Uh, well, <laughs> Lilydale has hotels. Yeah, it has the, the Maplewood Hotel, which is at the center of town. It also has one that is just outside the gate called the Leyland Hotel. Um, so yeah, there, you know, there are the Lilydale hotels that many people uh, enjoy and, and come and stay year after year. Um, but we do have that, our, our, ours is called Harmony House and that's after the harmonial philosophy of Andrew Jackson Davis. I chose to name it that for that reason. And you know, I have a—I don't know if this is a side story um, that I, I love to tell because the house, well, Spirit bought the house with me. Okay, here's how it worked: I was walking down the street. This was in 1992, and um, I'm passing the house that we now live in, and um, all of a sudden, I get this voice. I hear this uh, voice from Spirit: "This is going to be your house," and I said, "Yeah, with what?" You know, so I didn't have that much money aside at the time, right? So I said, I stopped myself. I go, okay, well, maybe I should investigate this. So I proceeded to investigate, uh, found out that somebody had made an offer on the house that was refused. So uh, I made an appointment with the owner and, and, I, and I put in an offer, which she accepted, but I didn't really have the down payment money for it at, at the moment. And um, I, I, I offered it. Anyway, here's what happens. I put the word out that I was doing this and I got a call from a friend who said um, um, she had this the same amount of money in a CD that was only getting, oh, uh, you know, like 1% interest or something at the time or 2% interest. And she would be happy to lend me that money at a mortgage rate interest. Hmm? So, which is... Um, 
so and it was the exact amount of money so within a couple of months i had the house it's amazing isn't it you know we um every single one of us is human and, and i dare anybody to deny it we all think come on let me win the lottery and i can do so much good you know yeah but we always get what we need yes we always yeah. get what we need yeah i i have a similar story just on a, a slightly different vibration there um quite a few years ago my partner's car just died and it just went no no more i'm going and neither of us were uh particularly well off and we were looking at cars didn't want to go into a you know a death trap car but wanted something that's going to be reliable because at that time also i was doing a lot of traveling going out doing services and no word of a lie i walked past a bookmakers um do you know what they are at in the states oh yeah 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 and i just stopped and i walked in there and we have thing called the irish lottery which um where your wife comes from ireland i see mm -hmm. and there was a bet that you do if you put uh three numbers on and one you won 600 pounds because that morning we'd been to see a car which was 600 pounds and it was ideal and that afternoon, I walked into this bookmaker's. I did three numbers, and I stood there. And four minutes later, I got six hundred pounds in my hand, oh, and oh, I went, "Thank you." <laughs> That's beautiful. Yeah, it's never been repeated. I've tried; it has never been repeated. But it was just like, "Come off it," you know. <laughs> yeah, beautiful. So yeah, um, um, there was something else I wanted to talk about. Oh. Um, is there is there is, is there time to do a like a healing meditation before we close? Indeed, we we are. I always say we're on for about an hour. If we overrun, you know what? It's absolutely fine. Nothing is set in stone. So yes, that would be beautiful, Tom. Thank you. Right, because I, I I find that the most important thing that we're doing right now, anybody that's on a spiritual path, is um when it when when whenever possible is is to be um connected to our role in the transformation that's happening on the planet right now the earth is in a healing crisis and as insofar as we're able to um to link and connect with the higher forces um that are always working to help bring us into balance we are contributing to the healing and so it's very important that most that that when we as often as we can and i try to do this on a daily basis two things there's two levels of connection i want to help help foster in this meditation first of all the connection the internal connection with you between yourself and the healing that's always being offered to you personally and then i want to um expand our awareness um uh, and it's it it happens organically in the meditation to um to the entire species and the entire planet and recognizing that these forces are at work in the planet and that we can be um um forces that harmonize ourselves with with the um with the healing that's um seeking to take place here now for our species and for the world so it's 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 that that simple so the metaphor that i use uh, in this is a flame of, of um, wonderful healing, light, and love. And the flame starts in the heart and it, 
it intensifies love and warmth and openness and healing throughout the chest. And it has the capacity to take on, consume and transform all tension, constriction and imbalance into peace, harmony and well-being. So that's the that's the initial part of it. And we just we just follow from there. I just want everybody to know the metaphor to start with. So let's let's begin the meditation now, please. Easier to close your eyes and to pay attention to your breathing at the start, allowing your breathing to become more effortless, more relaxed with each successive breath. As your breathing grows more relaxed, become aware of a brilliant flame of pure love, warmth and light within your chest and within your heart. And imagine that your breathing is fanning this flame. And as it does, it brings forth more love, more warmth, more openness, peace, and an increasing measure of the healing power, building and growing within your heart, within your chest. As the flame continues to intensify, it now grows and expands to fill the entire trunk area of your body. As it does, it begins to take on all of the tension, constriction, tightness, discomfort, imbalances throughout the entire trunk area of your body. And it's burning them and consuming them, transforming them into peace, harmony, and relaxation throughout the entire trunk area of your body. And the flame reaches down as you continue to breathe more life and energy into it, into the legs and feet. And as it reaches into the legs and feet, here too it burns off and consumes and transforms tension, imbalances, weaknesses of any kind, leaving behind a greater state of strength, harmony and well-being for your legs and feet. And this beautiful healing fire and light now spreads across the shoulders and into the arms, hands and fingers. And here too, it takes on all tension, constriction, imbalances, discomforts, and burns them off, consumes them and transforms them into relaxation, harmony, well-being your shoulders, arms, and hands. And the flame reaches up into the neck and head. Here too, it burns off all discomfort, imbalances of any kind, leaving behind a greater state of relaxation, peace, and well-being throughout the neck and head. Also, as it burns brilliantly throughout the neck and head, it takes on mental contradiction and emotional conflict. Offer any contradictory thoughts you might have or emotional conflict feelings, offer them up to the flame to be consumed and transformed into peace of mind and clarity of thought. As the beautiful healing flame burns more brilliantly throughout your entire body, it continues to take on residual 
discomforts, imbalances, burning them off, transforming them into a deeper state of peace, harmony, and well-being throughout your entire body. And it continues to expand beyond your physical body into the energy field around you. And here too, it burns off imbalances. And leaves behind as it burns off the imbalances in your aura, it leaves behind a state of freedom and clarity. And know that everyone who is currently doing this meditation now, we're all in alignment. All of our flames are burning brilliantly with this wonderful vibration of infinite healing love and light. And that creates a greater flame that burns within our entire species. Allow yourself to expand into that greater energy that we create, the magnification that is created by us doing this together with an intent, not only to bring healing to ourselves, but to bring healing to our world and to bring healing to our species. Feel the magnification as we unify with that intention. And as we do, I want you to imagine, hold your hands as you're feeling the energy within you and around you. Hold your hands with your palms facing each other at a distance apart and feel the energy in between. And as you feel the energy in between, I want you to envision a miniature of planet Earth between your hands, our Earth between your hands, and know the intensity of this healing energy is infusing and surrounding our Earth. as it infuses and surrounds us, our earth. No, it's also increasing the strength of it around you. By the law of resonance, we're all on this earth. And these intentions support each and every one of us in living lives that are more harmonious with what the true destiny of this earth is about. Supporting us in developing and maintaining harmonious relationships with one another, with those that we come in contact with. And the more harmonious relationship each and every one of us has and is developing 
with Mother Earth herself. Let us be in the silence for a few moments while we allow the wisdom and the healing of those intentions to serve each and every one of us, to serve the planet, to serve our fellow human beings. And know this energy is always available to us. We take the time. This, this movement toward healing, toward well-being for ourselves, for our earth. And so it is with this in mind that we offer a prayer of gratitude for that which has been given here to each and every one of us and to our, our planet and our world. We say thank you for all of this and all that we have been given and all, all, all ways that we have been inspired and uplifted and given healing. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Well, I want to thank everybody that participated because I, you know, what's in there. And when I'm in a meditation like that, I can feel the connections. I can feel the, the sense of, of uh, yeah, so I want to thank everybody um, um, that's been part of that. And, um, uh, and, and especially I want to thank you, Laurie, and what you're doing with your church and, and the outreach you're doing. Um, I think it's brilliant and wonderful. And um, 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 yeah, thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you. I was sweating like a hog doing that flame. I was sweating every. I was like, oh my God, I'm, I'm going to lose about a pack, 10 pound here. Oh, it was lovely. Totally unexpected and beautiful. Tom, absolutely wonderful evening. Lots of compliments flooding in there from people who took part in that. Sir, we are so, so, so indebted to you um that was a beautiful evening and that little bit of magic at the end there which i didn't expect but was really i'm normally the one that leads the meditation so it was quite nice that i could sit in a meditation and not have to do it i was like oh holiday for me so oh, thank you yeah. thanks all our best wishes from us here in pool and everybody across the world who's watching us tonight towards you I have put a link in to the Harmony House guest house in the comments column there. So if anybody is thinking of going that way, you already have a link and an interesting host. Yeah, there's a link there. If, if they, if they um, um, Google Harmony House, there are links to myself, my, my website, and also the, um, my wife's website. Um, so that's, uh, yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, oh, by the way, I forgot to mention, I do. I am doing a training for the restructuring in okay. October here, here, here in Lilydale. Uh, is uh, that in person? Yeah, it's a three-day training for people to um, to actually take it and use it in there as as a tool in their healing arsenal. How wonderful! How yeah. wonderful! Anyway, Tom, sir. Thank you for your time tonight. Thank you for your knowledge and your expertise. Absolutely beautiful. If you want to send me a link to uh, your three-day event, please do. And I will okay. post that on here on uh, our pages so to get that word out there because I know it, it's wonderful to do all these events, but uh, people's support at the moment can be a bit wavering. So, uh, yeah, anything I can do to help support that please yeah. let me know. It'd be my pleasure. Everybody, thank you all for joining us tonight. Please remember next week, we will not be live on Saturday night. This is due to a demonstration of trance physically here in the church. So we are having our Lyceum night on the Friday night. And we have Simon James and Brian Robertson talking to us on the Spirit of Youth movement. So please remember, next week, not Saturday, Friday night, 7pm BST. So good night, everybody, from me and Tom, if you'd like to say farewell. I'd like to say farewell. And could could I stay on with you for a couple of minutes afterwards? It's, you know, it's okay. By all means. Yes. And to all those who have listened, and thank you for um, um, uh, being with us this evening. Um, I've thoroughly enjoyed this. Thank you. <laughs>